Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 415 on Tuesday, the 27th of July, 2021. Hello, I'm Andrew. And as you can tell, I am not Alan. Unfortunately, due to a last minute problem, he is unable to join us for this recording. So in a week where we shed a tear at the news that the very wealthy are being forced, forced to buy secondhand rollers and Bentleys, we'll be in shock at all the EV news. We'll be checking out the average, and we discover one man's light bulb moment. But first, we have uh, one piece of follow-up. This is surprising no one, but the deal has been completed that Mitsubishi Motors' after-sales business will now be taken over by the IM Group. We discussed this a few episodes ago, and the Colt Car Company has actually uh, agreed now the details, the finer details. So the new company will be called IM Maps UK Limited, but they're still going to trade as Mitsubishi Motors. So that means that anybody who's got a Mitsubishi now will still be looked after in the future and they'll be run by the normal Mitsubishi technicians and all the rest of it. And what this does is this adds uh, an after-sales and accessories operation to IM Group which we know are the official UK importers for Subaru and Isuzu vehicles. Glad that's all been tied up, and that should mean that people who own Mitsubishis can keep them going for years to come. Excellent. Right, moving on to new news and good news. Nissan has revealed that they are opening up 400 new job slots in their uh, Sunderland plant, some of which will be uh, agency staff, some of them will be permanent staff. But this is on the back of the $1 billion investment that they announced in early July. It just goes further into how Nissan is committing itself to Sunderland. These staff were going to be used to build the new models, including the Qashqai and the Leaf. So that is excellent for that plant and for Sunderland. More good news, and the Welsh hydrogen car manufacturer River Simple has hit its target of 1.5 million that it wanted to get to so that it could run customer trials of their car in the Aberystwyth, uh, sorry, the Abergavenny area. And what this means is that they have been backed by uh, some angel investors. Uh, called Angels Invest Wales. They've also had funding matched from the Wales Angel Co-Investment Fund, and they have achieved advanced approval from HMRC for the Enterprise Investment Scheme. So that gives them tax incentives, which helps make them more attractive to qualifying investors. So this is great news because they are creating or building passenger hydrogen vehicles and more power to them. This is definitely a company that is on the Motoring Podcast radar to go and investigate and ask questions and find more about because it's a very intriguing business model they are trying to go for and the way that they are trying to encourage people to change how they buy a car or perhaps well in this instance they won't be buying a car they'll just be leasing it Uh, and they are using hydrogen which we've said many times on the show we think is a vital part of the cleaner energy and helping to clean up emissions 
for vehicles going forward. So uh, that is another bit of great news. Talking of clean air and the energy sources trying to make our cars cleaner, uh, the regulator is going to probe into electric car charging. So the Competition and Markets Authority has announced that it is concerned about the availability uh, and choice that is open to us as consumers for charging our cars. Included in that is that they feel that the uh, when charging, it should be as, and I'm quoting here from the Merchant Research article, should be as simple as filling up with petrol or diesel. So they have uh, four principles which they want to ensure uh, that are happening with every charging point so that it will meet this criteria. Number one is working charge points must be easy to find. And that will includes how, uh, you know, which ones are available and their working status. Charging must be simple and quick to pay for. So no need to sign up and use uh, contactless payment methods. But we already know that charging companies are shifting to this. Um, we know that the government have, have pushed this announcement out, which I'm not sure whether the industry was already going to announce and just waited or not. Uh, and the third point is the cost of charging must be clear with standard pricing, such as per kilowatt per hour. And then the final point is charging must be accessible with all charge points compatible with all EVs. Now, that's an interesting one. I think that will be driven a lot by us as consumers with cars saying, please stop fitting this connector, insert manufacturer of choice, and fit this one because this is the one I'm used to. This is the one that's on all the... Uh, this is this is the one that works on the rapid chargers, not the slow chargers, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it'll be a two-pronged attack, but we do need some consistency when it comes to uh, the type of uh, charging connector being used. Added to all this is that the they are going to investigate, oh, well, they've just changed their name, but there is that that infamous charging company that sometimes worked, but basically had the motorways sewn up and they're going to be looking at if this is fair and if anything can be done to open this up to other charging uh, companies so that they can offer their services as well. More news on charging and that is that Shell has announced that it's going to install 800 electric vehicle charging points at Waitrose shops by 2025. What they are expecting to do at each site is install six 22-kilowatt chargers and two 50-kilowatt rapid chargers. Basically, they are they're calling it destination charging, which is essentially people charge whilst they're doing something else rather than, oh, we're charging because we've completely run out. The slow chargers um, and the two rapid chargers make a lot of sense when it comes to that. That's great to see that uh, another company is tying up with another supermarket and is offering more options. And then there was the announcement just before the uh, end of quarter investor call from Tesla that um, Musk said that they are going to open up their their supercharger network to all EV owners over time and as they roll this out through countries. Now, there's a few little details about this which maybe point out this isn't quite all it's cracked up to be. First of all, 
how the charging bays are set up and where the charging cables fit on a Tesla, i.e. the back left, which doesn't tie in with very many other EVs out there at the moment, which means that for, say, some of the uh, some of the premium German brands, they would actually be parking across the bays rather than, you know, in the bays uh, if they wanted to use that. Added on top of that, if it's to happen in America, they only use one type of cable, which isn't the cable that or the connector that is used by anyone else. Over in the UK, there are Type 2 and CSS connectors, so that should cover most manufacturers' um, offerings, but not all. And added on top of that, Tesla said that the price would change dynamically. Now, if you've paid any attention to Tesla car prices, and they do not dynamically change, apparently, or they've not declared that they do, yet you watch the yo-yo up and down, I dread to think how far the prices are going to change here. Because if you're not a, a Tesla owner, you will be charged more anyway for using their um, their. Uh, service and for their equipment which i can understand sort of because it's it's their thing and also we have to remember tesla sold the sold the dream that if you're a tesla owner you're a special person almost like one of the chosen few and now opening it to everybody else i've i've seen comments from the dreaded reddit thread in uh, in tesla land and People are very unhappy that they will now have to share their toys with others. So I, I can, if you've been told this is part of what makes Tesla special is only you get to use this and then you find out, well, actually anyone can use it, I can understand you're a little bit miffed. From a business point of view, this is a no-brainer for Tesla. They need it. The CO2 credits are going to reduce as manufacturers that have been buying those uh, CO2 credits for Europe and for China are now ramping up their own EV offerings so they need it less and less. Tesla need a new income. And this, this you could argue this should have happened years ago and should, in fact, have ha happened years ago if, if they thought it through a bit more. But uh, they are doing it now and we'll just have to see how it does roll out and whether it is a case of actually they take into this account and it does help or whether it was in fact just a PR puff piece to try and calm the investors down who are beginning to get a bit twitchy about income. Right, I am going to move on to the news that Highways England is discussing plans to reduce certain parts of the motorway network to 60 mile an hour in an effort to reduce nitrogen oxide levels. Now we know this is being done in Wales and we know this has been discussed elsewhere, but this is Highways England saying, yes, we're definitely going to do it. Now, uh, what they're going to do is they're going to have live uh, NO2 readings from certain areas of the road network in going to work with the government's joint air quality unit so that uh, if they exceed the legal limits, then they can they can start declaring that it's 60 mile an hour to reduce speed, to reduce emissions, and therefore help clean the air up. In, in on top of all this is they do have to do traffic flow improvement schemes so that there isn't so much idling and there is less congestion. But we harp back to what we have said ever since anyone 
ever mentioned a, a clean air charge encourage people not to go into work and work from home. And after the last year, we all know that a, a large portion of the population, far more than was originally thought, can actually do this from home. It's not for everyone. It's not for every industry. And it's not necessarily all the time for everyone either. So uh, it feels a little bit level one thinking because they are just dealing with this problem here and it, there is a bigger society one. But uh, they're doing something, I suppose, but I'm not overly overly confident it's going to make that much difference. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, more potentially positive news in the classic car and historic vehicle world. The DVLA chief executive, Julie Leonard, was brought in front of MPs on the 21st of July to discuss a lot of problems with DVLA. We've discussed many of them in the recent weeks, such as uh, there's backlogs and all the rest of that sort of stuff, and you can't get through to speak to anyone, etc., etc. Well, there's been a long-running problem for historic vehicles and classic vehicles where they have taken a long time. Things have been wrong. There's a lot of questions on whether they're applying the the rules consistently. So these were brought up and Julie Leonard said that she'd be happy to discuss uh, and try and get some closer engagement with the industry to try and resolve the disputes and improve relations. The newly formed Historic and Classic Vehicle Alliance have returned the olive branch that's been extended and said, yes, let's have a meeting, let's talk through things, let's see how we can work together and hopefully make things run smoother. So Again, in the podcast, we will keep an eye on this because this has implications to a lot of people who listen, but also in the corner of Twitter that we inhabit. We know that there's ongoing problems and people are increasingly owning older vehicles uh, for fun and for enjoyment. Anything that can make this easier and, and a better process can only be a good thing. Again, Oh, I'm flooding you with good news here. It's not like me. You can spot, you can spot that Alan was probably going to be taking most of these stories. Uh, but there we go. Right now, more in my territory. Police warn keyless car theft is on the rise. There has been a 3.1 percent increase in vehicle crime between May and June this year. Most of that, according to the National Police Chiefs Council, was down to keyless car theft. <sighs> so. We've talked about this before. If you have a keyless entry system, you put your key in either a biscuit tin or in one of those Faraday pouches so that some naughty person cannot boost the signal using some very cheap and easily accessible equipment to convince your car that they are actually uh, they actually have your key and they're able to drive away. Now, I think this is getting, or this has really got way beyond into the point where the car manufacturers have to do something. They have produced a system that has an inherent dreadful weakness, yet they, some of them, their best solution to this is to sell you a pouch. Now, that's ridiculous, and it needs to change. And I saw uh, someone who'd already had a, a, a famous columnist who'd already had his vehicle stolen 
a few months ago, but then got it back. Had his he had his car stolen off his drive yet again. One, you think, well, were you actually securing your key? But two, stop selling something that has a weakness because that is that is the car manufacturer's issue. That is their fault. That is their problem. They should not be doing that. Hopefully, they they wake up to this and they start to do something about it. Now, oh, okay, definitely more of my territory. This is the news that owners are set to pay £420 a year to unlock the Mercedes EQS feature of getting extra special steering on their flagship EV limo. It's enhanced rear wheel steering is what it's called. Oh, 420. <sighs> so what it will do is it will mean that the wheels can pivot up to 10 degrees more than twice the standard 4.5 degree setup. We've discussed subscription or options as a subscription service before, and we know there are a few positives about this. So there'll be the things that you want just now and again, perhaps. But the making the car more livable stuff like this, and also when uh, Volkswagen talked about their, as it is now, mythical hands-free autonomous cruise control, um, where they will charge someone as much as uh, £6 an hour to use, that just feels like gouging the customer. That feels wrong. That does not feel right. And I think, as BMW found with their Apple CarPlay, when they tried to make that a subscription... I think the manufacturers are very much on thin ice with this. I wonder if they will get a backlash because this opens up a can of worms. One of which is if I've got, you know, I've decided I want to pay up to a thousand pounds for a bunch of uh, extras. What makes my car look special over someone else who hasn't activated those, but has got them fitted? In the past, we know this is badges and stuff like that, but the cars won't come with badges now, will they? So how how is everyone going to know that I'm a special person who spent more money? Because that matters. That matters a lot to some people. So that's going to be an interesting one for them to get around. But I just, I just think that it's greedy. Frankly, I think it's greedy and I think it's unnecessary. I think entertainment options as a now and again can be a thing but to push it all that way i think they're on very very dodgy ground and it will be really interesting i mean i know from the, the corner of twitter that, that i inhabit the reaction is incredibly negative but i expected nothing less so it'll be interesting to see how people who aren't really fussed about cars like we are react i mean i've spoken to a couple of people and who are not really into cars at all they just you know that that is a thing that gets them around and that's it and they have expressed incredibly negative sentiments towards that so i wonder if the manufacturers have actually done their research properly on this one again time will tell but mm, i don't like that one at all 
Right, I've rattled through quite quickly there the first part of the show. Um, so that means that it is Guilt Minute, that quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel that the Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. The different patron levels include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live Normally, when there's both of us here. Uh, <laughs> we also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store, from stickers to mugs and T-shirts, which we are working hard in the background in the seconds that we have spare to update and refresh. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand that, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and we know quite a few of you do, so thank you very, very much, then the last thing you could do to help is recommend us to friends and colleagues, because word of mouth is the way that this show gets spread quicker than anything else. So thank you to everyone who has passed that on. Right, there's there's no new, new car news that's worth speaking to you about. It's all stuff that's not really relevant not really that new so we're not we're not going to cover it this week i'm going to go straight into the lunchtime read and it's from haggerty's website the piece that is written by tv's paul cowland it is titled average is the new epic treat yourself to something utterly unexceptional which we thought tied in nicely with the fact that it is the festival of unexceptional this weekend coming so you can go through and read if you click the link in the show notes how Paul recommends and suggests getting something seemingly unexceptional can actually be exceptional and is great fun and can bring a lot of pleasure. Do go through, read that article. It is very, very good, very entertaining. The list of the week. Well, when I did the list of the week and put it in, I expected Alan to be here. So it's from Autocar, a slideshow, uh, which seems to be working at the moment. And it's titled The Best Cars Ever from Japan. Um, I think I know which was which Alan would pick. I'm going to have a guess and I'll have to find out if I'm right. But I think he was going to pick or would pick the Toyota Prius Mark I. Um, there are many, many others here. All of them are incredibly fine. Some are what you would expect others not quite so much i don't think there are some there's some nice surprises in there um so again click through on the on the link in the show notes have a run through there and don't forget to get in touch with the podcast on the twitters and let us know which car you'd select out of this list um, because there are many many to pick from and it will oh, took me a long time took me a long time it did right we're going to get now quickly to the and finally and this, again, is from Haggerty. Uh, and it is Philip Eisner, who makes lights from car parts. And this is just wonderful. You know we like this sort of thing on the motoring uh, podcast. But he got into this because he was trying to... He wanted to give his dad something meaningful. So in the end, he created a light, uh, a floor lamp, from a moped that his dad used to drive ride around in as a young man and just thought that would have a nice connection and it's something he wants which is a brilliant brilliant idea to do it and then he's he's carried that on 
going through car parts and making lamp various lamps and all the rest of it many of which you could probably see drew pritchard um <laughs> purchase and <laughs> try and sell on himself but this is this is fabulous stuff uh, and it's a great article as well so do have a click through on the link there and that so rounds it out. So I will quickly go through some parish notes. Uh, a couple of Fridays ago, we had a special edition out, which was the twin test of the Hyundai Tucson Hybrid. So if you haven't heard that, do click back through in the podcast episodes to listen to our thoughts on that. There will be a new special edition out this Friday, and Alan talks about his time with the car. Uh, the car actually does get mentioned now and again in the review, so... <laughs> It's only a review the Motion Podcast would ever, ever produce. Um, and if everything goes to plan, Alan is expecting to be at the Festival Unexceptional this weekend himself. So if you do see him, say hi from a safe distance, wave, acknowledge, maybe nod. Don't wink, though. He doesn't like that. doesn't like that at all. Um, but but to everyone who is going to that uh, that festival, I hope you all have a fab time. I hope the weather's brilliant. And uh, I'm very jealous of you all for going there. And it sounds like so many people off off that there Twitter will be there and enjoying it themselves as well. To round this out, don't forget that between now and next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We're on the Book of Face and we have a contact page on motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all activities. Remember that you can leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. The best way to get in touch with Alan and maybe just warn him that you'll be at the Festival Unexceptional is to search for him on Twitter, where if you put in at AJP Bradley, that's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y, you will find him there. And if you want to get in touch with me, again, Twitter's the best way. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you will find me there. And we'll be back soon, hopefully both of us. But until then, he's not been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.